When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back to your Friday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Douglas Maurice, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and Scott Patsko. We're going to give you a preview of free agency, which Mary Kay starts Monday, right? Can we lay it out here for those good listeners? What What's the timing on this stuff? Whatever it is, it's about to get underway. It's going to be a whirlwind next week. When does stuff really start? Well, Monday is the day that the legal tampering period opens. So that is the day in which uh, teams can engage in uh, so, sort of, you know, negotiations. They can talk money and contract with players, but you can't actually consummate the deal until the league year opens on March 16th, two days later. So there's a two-day legal tampering period. But of course, all of that stuff really started at the Combine last week, where most business is done. That's where players find out if their teams want to resign them, and who else wants them, and how much they're going to get paid. So there, there are no surprises, really, by the time you get to this point. The Browns worked a lot with all of their guys uh, to set the framework for what's about to come this week, and uh, it all gets happening on Monday. Now, in previous years, it seems like not that many deals were announced in those first two days, but that seems to change every year, the vibe of, of you know, are, are they announcing, are they not announcing? But we'll start to hear some things on Monday and Tuesday as we head into the free agency period. Okay, Scott, I have a terrible memory, but if memory serves, the last two free agency periods for the Browns, last year, John Johnson III was like, bang, right at the start of free agency, right? The, it was clear Andrew Barry wanted a safety and he wanted got one of the two or three best safeties on the market. And the year before that, Jack Conklin, bang, right? That was right away, right tackle. They clearly needed a right tackle. They got the best right tackle. Am I right with that? Does anyone check my memories out? Right. I remember those being the first two. And yeah, I and then like you know, last year Troy Hill was added after after the fact. So yeah, that okay. I have a bad memory too, but I believe that's that's kind of how it happened. Is that and right? Austin, Austin Hooper too. So the first yes. year it was Jack Conklin and Austin Hooper were sort of their top two targets. And then last year it was uh, definitely uh, JJ three was, was the, the one that really wanted to get right away. Okay. So on this podcast, we're each going to drop a name that we think, Hey, here's a guy for the Browns, but two years ago, tight end and right tackle position from a position standpoint made sense last year's safety. I was number one on my list. I thought that made sense as a, as a, a position to target Scott. Is there a position that is so obvious that we think Andrew Barry might go bang right at the start of free agency with a position of need for the Browns. Kicker. Hey. Is, that, is that the answer? Right, well, podcast... Doug, still, Doug still wants Cade York. So don't, don't tell him that. Let him live out his LSU kicking dream. <laughs> Let me talk to Cade, but okay. Other than kicker. Okay. Other than kicker. Other than kicker. Um, I would, I would assume that's wide receiver. Right. right? Um, I mean, they have a lot of bodies to add along the defensive line. 
at various spots along the defensive line. But I mean, wide receiver has been a spot that even before, even going into last season, I think you could look at this offseason and say the Browns are going to have to target wide receivers because Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, there's a good chance that one or both of them won't be with this team in 2022 based on their contract. So I'll go with wide receiver. Does anybody disagree with that? And without getting into names yet, because we're going to drop our names on people, we've got to get people to listen to the whole podcast. Does that seem like the position that could be the big splash early on? Yeah, I think so. But I mean, defensive end is another one to look at. I mean, they're going to need uh, potentially another defensive end. So I would say that those two are the ones that uh, we will be keeping our eyes and ears uh, peeled for. Yeah, those were my two as well that, you know, and we, and I was trying to come up with the name, those were the positions I was looking at. And, you know, the other position that we've talked about a lot the last few weeks is defensive tackle. But when we've talked about that, we've kind of gone through that. They just don't seem to want to make a big splash money wise with that position. So I wasn't necessarily looking at those top guys because I'm not sure that Andrew Berry will do that. And I stuck with defensive end and wide receiver. Okay. Let's get to names. Let's get to names. Now, one of the things, Mary Kay, is that some of the possibilities, especially at wide receiver, are no longer possibilities, right? The the ranks have thinned a little bit. Who are some of the guys that we maybe a couple weeks ago were throwing out here as possible Browns targets that are are no longer there? Well, uh, three that that came off the market this week were uh, Chris Godwin of the Bucks. Devonte Adams of the Packers. Those two guys were franchised at the amount of over 18 million, 18 million, almost $19 million. And then Mike Williams of the Chargers signed a three-year or will sign officially a three-year $60 million deal. So those are three guys uh, right off the top that you would have thought uh, would have been on the Browns radar. And uh, so now there will be more competition that will drive up the price for the remaining guys that do actually hit the market. And there's still plenty of time. There are time for uh, guys to resign. There are time, you know, there, there is time for them to reach agreements with other teams, sort of backdoor legal tampering agreements with other teams before March 16th. So the market for receivers is not as good as it was going to be. All right, let's start with Mary Kay. Mary Kay, who is your name that you think the Browns should target in free agency? Well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave um, Jarvis Landry for a discussion as we you know as we get through this podcast. Uh, so, in addition to my feelings on that situation, I am going to go with um, targeting Amari Cooper of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Amari Cooper is still under contract with the Dallas Cowboys, and he uh, is under contract next year for uh, a base salary of twenty million dollars, and I think a cap hit of twenty twenty. $22 million. But um, the Cowboys are in somewhat of cap trouble and they need some space. And there's a lot of talk that he is going to get released. And I think he has a bonus or something coming up on March 20th or his salary uh, fully guarantees. Yes, I think it guarantees on March 20th. So something's probably going to happen with him. And if he does hit the market and become available, Uh, He is somebody that I definitely think the Browns should target. I think he gives you that immediate number one tight end. uh, I mean, receiver 
that, uh, you know, he, he's a four-time pro bowler. He is that, you know, blue chip elite type of receiver uh, that, that the Browns absolutely need that X guy, you know, the speedy, the deep threat, the great hands, great production has a, you know, a thousand yards consistently, um, to, you know, re- you know, reaches the end zone, catches touchdown passes. And uh, I would definitely target him. Who's in on Amari Cooper? Scott, Ashley, you like this one? Yeah, if you can pull it off for, for all the reasons Mary Kay said, right? Like this receiving room, I think like when I've done my mock drafts, for example, I think I've taken two receivers in just about all of these because I do think they need at least two guys. Now, I think you can solve that. And I think you guys talked about this. I've got to watch the tape that just came out. But you know, I think you need a lot of help. And if you can get a number one guy like that in, and then maybe you look at defensive end or defensive tackle in the first round, if you really want to, um, maybe you get another top flight receiver and you're you're set to go with the Mari Cooper and Garrett Wilson. I mean, that'd be crazy. That, that room would be revitalized almost immediately. So if you can pull it off and if he's really going to be, you know, out of the picture in Dallas, yeah, why not? I'd be all for that. Yeah, on paper, it's a great idea. I'm just, I'm so interested in what kind of receiver they bring in a free agency because you look at Amari Cooper and that's a dude who he's been the guy. He's like over 100 targets every year, like over 120 targets. Like he legit number one, he's the the focal point of the passing offense. And, you know, you're, you're selling him on a team that targets their wide receivers less than almost every other team in the league. So, uh, is he going to be happy with that? Um, do the Brown, how much do the Browns change to accommodate somebody like that? Um, would they care about his feelings? Um, you know, that, that's just can't wait. Can't wait to find out who it is that they bring in because yeah, I'm, I'm curious about what, how that, that sales job is going to go. But yeah, I mean, if you can get Amari Cooper, if he agrees to come here, um, that is, that's huge for and sure. The other thing you have to think about with Amari Cooper is that if he does hit the market and he is an unrestricted free agent and he is out there and uh, available for anyone, uh, he's going to have his choice of a lot of teams and the quarterback is going to matter. Okay. And he was able to actually have good production when Dak Prescott was out with the Cowboys in 2020. He still that year had, um, I think it was, uh, yes, it was 92 catches, 1,114 yards without Dak. So he is such a good receiver that he doesn't necessarily have to have the star quarterback getting him the ball. But I think that's going to be a consideration for him. He's 27. I think he's going to want to win. He's going to want to win big. He's going to want to get the ball a lot. So the Browns would have to sell him on the notion that, uh, that their passing game is definitely going to be way better and more explosive than it was last year that Baker Mayfield is in fact going to be way better when he's healthy and that he will be targeted early and often. He's not going to want to come here and be Odell Beckham. I mean, that's just can't happen. And that's the perception that the Browns are going to have to deal with as they head into this free agency period. Seven years in the league started off with the Raiders, then dealt to the Cowboys Targets by year, 130, 132, 96, 107, 119, 130, and 104 last year. Last year, 68 catches on 104 targets for 865 yards, 12.7 yards per catch, eight touchdowns. Has over 7,000 receiving yards in his seven seasons. This would cost a lot, right, Mary Kay? 
Mm-hmm. The number that yes. he's at with the Cowboys, I, I mean, is he getting, does he want 20 million a year? Probably. Or what, what do you oh, think yeah. this would be? This is be a pricey. It would be pricey. It would be very, very pricey. And I do think that, uh, that someone's going to pay him what he's worth because you can see what an explosive passing game can do for you. That's all we saw throughout the playoffs. So someone is going to pay big bucks for him. I don't know if he'll, if he'll get the $20 million that he'll want, uh, but he's going to get a lot. He's going to be up in the high double digits, if not 20. So yeah, the Browns are just going to have to decide if, if that's worth it or if they want to go for a less expensive receiver in free agency and then find their sort of blue chipper in the draft. So keep let's them, go ahead, Scott. I would say, keep in mind the, like if they, this, you know, you're moving on from Jarvis Landry, you're bringing in somebody like Cooper and say it is, you know, in that 20 million range, the rest of your wide receiver room is pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, you got uh, three other guys right now on rookie deals. And, you know, if you go ahead and draft someone, that's another guy again on a, on a rookie deal. So even though you're, you would be paying a lot to one guy, you're still pretty cost effective uh, the rest on the rest of the depth chart. Mary Kay, you said you had a Jarvis Landry point you wanted to bring up. Let's get to that as we're having this conversation here, because I'm curious if it's sort of dealing with salaries and coupling things together. And if this happens, then what does it mean for Jarvis? What do you want to talk about with Jarvis? Well, you know, I would bring Jarvis Landry back and I would make an attempt to do that and and a pretty good legitimate effort to keep him and to restructure his contract in a way that he feels good about it, that he feels like he's gaining some guaranteed money. Now his cap number for next season is $16.379 million. They're not going to pay him that, uh, but they still like him. When we talk to Kevin Stefanski, he always says, you guys know how I feel about Jarvis Landry. I mean, he really does like him and everybody else in the organization likes Jarvis Landry and Jarvis Landry has said, I want to be back. The ball's in the Browns court. So I think there is a mutual respect there, uh, but it's, it's really kind of about the money or at least that's one big factor. I would probably offer him something in the neighborhood of, I don't know, maybe nine or 10 million where he could get the guarantee. He doesn't have any guarantee now again, uh, nine or 10 million guaranteed, and then give him an, an opportunity to make up some of the lost money in terms of incentives based on uh, playing time and, uh, performance, catches, Pro Bowls, playoffs, those kinds of things. Uh, The reason why I would do this is because I do think that they really are counting on Baker Mayfield to be their quarterback next year. I think he has natural chemistry with Jarvis Landry. He doesn't have natural chemistry with everybody. It doesn't come easy for everybody with Baker Mayfield, or at least it hasn't in the past. It didn't last year. But Jarvis has it. Jarvis has had it from day one. And I think he still has it. I think that last year he played injured most of the year and really wasn't himself. So I think if you're trying to rebuild Baker Mayfield's confidence, give him Jarvis back. That's one thing that I would do. Um, And and I think Jarvis likes it here and his family likes it here. And if he can get some assurance that he will also, uh, you know, be more of a a featured part of the offense and that they're going to rely more on their wide receivers, then I think he will be for it. Are you, could you envision a world where they're paying Amari Cooper 20 and they keep Jarvis for 10? Do you think that's, they have enough money to fit both of those in and that would be a good use of resources, Mary Kay? I think it would require uh, some, you know, cutting a few other guys or restructuring a, a few other guys. And there are, 
there are a number of players that, that you can mess around with in that regard a little bit. I mean, if you need some money, okay. It's a luxury to have JC Treader next year because Nick Harris is really ready to step in and get the job done. I think that's how they feel. Uh, so you could save like $8 million or seven, $8 million if you make that move. And then Case Keenum, you can save $7 million if you, you know, go with a Nick Mullins instead of a Case Keenum or somewhere in that neighborhood. So um, you can you can carve out your pennies here and there to come up with a, a, a way to do what you're saying. Scott, we often, when we have talked about them signing a free agent receiver, have sometimes thought about it in Jarvis money out, new money in. You just talked about, we just did it on Gotta Watch the Tape, as we mentioned. They're, the Browns spending on receivers right now is in the lower third of the league. Could you, could you envision a world of something like 20, you know, some kind of big money free agent receiver, 16 to 20 million, and a restructure on Jarvis for something like 10? Do you think the Browns could fit that in? I mean, that's what they were doing with Odell and Landry. They were up in that $30 million range the last couple of years just between those two guys. So I guess in theory, yeah, that would work. But I mean, I've, I've been moving forward thinking that Landry was gone for 2022. I mean, restructuring him would be great. Restructuring a lot of people would be great. And, you know, bringing in everybody that helps your team. But it isn't always easy to restructure a deal. Some guys don't want to do that. Some guys don't want to take pay cuts. Carson Wentz showing up in Washington has already caused troubles there with people not happy about getting asked to take pay cuts. So I, I guess, yeah, if they can make it happen, that's great. You know, you, you keep Landry, that's, that's a win. And you get somebody like say as good as Amari Cooper, that's man, that just dramatically changes everything, but making it happen isn't easy. Ashley thoughts on Jarvis as we sort of, I mean, I do think it's, I like thinking about all the puzzle pieces together, right? Which is why, Hey, Amari Cooper's interesting, but then now we're talking Jarvis piece, the Treader piece, the Case Keenum piece, Mary Kay, the way you're sliding the pieces around the chessboard, I think are really interesting. Ashley, I know if Dan was here, Dan has texted to our Browns insiders that it felt he thought it felt like at the combine, the way the Browns talked about it, it felt like goodbye. I think Dan, if he were here, would say he probably thinks Jarvis won't be back. Ashley, where are you on Jarvis? I still, I think, question whether he will be back. I'm leaning more towards no, like just because like Scott's saying, like, I don't know that it's going to be feasible that he's going to want to take the level of pay cut that they would need him to take. Now, the one thing that is promising in all this is if we remember that the Twitter storm that he went on, he did say he was willing, you know, he wanted to come back to Cleveland, but he's also willing to go somewhere else if he has to. So I think that does mean something, right? I don't know how much it means, but it means something that he's still saying he would be willing to come back here. But again, when a guy says that versus when the number is in front of him, I don't know that I'm 100% confident that all of that is going to be able to, to work kind of in tandem numbers wise to, to uh, make it favorable enough for the Browns and for him to be willing to stay where he's like, this is worth it. I, it's not worth maybe getting slightly more money somewhere else for a worse situation. So I am really intrigued, but I definitely am more in Dan's camp right now that I think that kind of sounded more goodbye-ish when we heard from Andrew Barry at the Combine as opposed to in that exit meeting week. But I'm really curious to see how it plays out because everything that Mary Kay said about 
he could be crucial for Baker Mayfield getting his confidence back and working back into, you know, the, the lineup healthy and everything like that. And obviously he's meant so much from a leadership standpoint. And I think they appreciate that so much about him, but now it's a matter of monetarily, how much is that worth to you for a guy who's almost 30 years old? Yeah. And just because I, um, I would do that myself. It doesn't mean necessarily that I think that they will go the extra mile it would take to keep him and to make him happy and to make him feel good about what they're offering him. I mean, it does have a good buy vibe to it, but I personally would not do that. They, they might, he might, I wouldn't. Mary Kay has us racing out of the gate with Amari Cooper, really interesting free agency name. I just want to tell everybody, I always get excited for free agency. I love roster building. My name for the Browns, I chickened out. I couldn't believe it. I was going through stuff, and it's like, I'm chickening out. I realize it. This is a boring name. What am I doing? But it's the best I can do. We'll save that for later. When we come back, <laughs> Ashley, Scott, what are they doing in free agency for the Browns next on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast? Back here, time for you guys to be Browns insiders. If you're not, go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click on the blue banner on the top of the page. If you listen to this podcast at all, you know all you get with that. You get the extra little story every day. You get access to all the stories on cleveland.com. You get texts from one of the best beat crews for any, not even just NFL, any team in the country, four people dedicated to this, bringing you news and analysis as it happens. Man, I'm telling you right now, what a hot week it's going to be next week. Woo, you're going to get your money's worth of, you know, Browns insider. So try it. Why not try Cleveland.com slash Browns. Click on the blue banner, top of the page. Scott Patsko, be a GM, start crunching some numbers. We talked about Scott on God to watch type. We said Scott has folders. He has tabs on the folders. He has them in his filing case. And he says, Oh, I'm going to bring out, bring out my free agency folder. Here's my list of guys. Scott, who's number one on your list. Really? I just have like a, a, a post-it note. I just write real small. That's it. Um, you know, we did our, our roadmap, our off-season roadmap a while back, and I threw out Will Fuller as an option, a wide receiver. Um, he's been hurt. He's had trouble staying on the field. He missed almost all of last season with a, I think it was a thumb, broken thumb. Um, but I really liked his catch rate. I really liked the fact that he had speed. He's somebody who could play on the outside. Uh, it made a lot of sense to me pairing him with like a rookie receiver. But I've moved off Will Fuller. I found someone that I think I, I'm a little more confident in, um, and that's Christian Kirk. This, again, is with the idea that you're swapping out Jarvis Landry. PFF does their projected contracts for free agents. They have Kirk at three years, $14 million per year. So you're in the same ballpark as what you were paying Jarvis Landry, but you get a, a replacement in the slot, a guy who's faster, much faster than, than Jarvis Landry. Um, has a really good catch rate, which, again, I think is important for this offense because they don't throw to receivers as much. You need guys who are really good at catching the ball. He's been uh, over 60% every year, and then last year it jumped up to almost 75%. Now, he has had over 100 targets multiple times, um, although I believe last year may have had something to do with, or it may have been impacted by um, DeAndre Hopkins being injured. But at any rate, He's a guy who I think wants to probably prove that he could be a number one guy. And this would kind of be that opportunity for him to do that. He's versatile. He carried 10 times two years ago. He's carried the ball. So he's still got the kind of element that you had with Jarvis Landry. Um, again, like I said, he's, he's 
mostly played in the slot uh, with the Cardinals. Uh, you would also add another uh, possibility to punt return. He didn't do very much last year, but he has done it quite a bit uh, previously in his career. So that's uh, another thing. Obviously, the Browns need to address this offseason going into next year is figure out how to have some sort of impact on punt return. Um, but Christian Kirk's a guy I, I like. And again, then you go out and you draft, you draft somebody that you're going to pair with him. You got people's Jones that you hope continues to progress. Um, and, you know, you got, you got a pretty, a pretty solid trio going into, into 2022. So again, you said the projection from PFF, Three years, fourteen million average per year. So that's around Jarvis money. But he is younger. He's a little faster, a little more faster. explosive. Again, when you go back, it's just funny. It's like Jarvis Landry is has been an incredibly productive NFL mm-hmm. player. Like I think his like combine testing numbers were like not very good. But he's a really good receiver. But again, I think we know this. Some of this front office, they sometimes they like to lean toward athleticism a little bit. Christian Kirk, I think this name has come up before. What do people, Mary Kay, was, hasn't Christian Kirk a name that, mm-hmm. that you have mentioned in the past? What do you think of this? Yes. You know what? I agree with Scott on all of these points uh, in terms of price point, in terms of what he brings to the table, the ability to play in the slot, the ability to play outside, the speed, the production, everything. I like all of that. Um, but there is one important reason why I came off of Christian Kirk and didn't even didn't think of him today um, is because and I'm going to make you wait for it a little bit. And this I don't even so good. <laughs> I don't even know if it is necessarily 100 uh, percent a deal breaker, but it is going to be a factor. It's going to be a factor. Are you ready? And we'll be right back after this on the Orange (laughs) Talk podcast with Mary Case. (laughs) We need we need a little drum roll. His agent is the same agent as Odell Beckham Jr.'s agent. Oh man! Okay. So is his dad the same as Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad? (laughs) I think that's a bigger deal. But go ahead. I mean, you make. He's going to post. He's going to post. Christian Kirk is always wide open. Yeah. So now, having said that, that is also the agent for Donovan Peoples Jones. So he does have a player on this team currently, and one who is very highly valued, and one that Baker Mayfield really likes and targets and throws the ball to. So it might not be a deal breaker, but that was such an unceremonious ending. It was so uh, controversial and tumultuous and explosive and combative and all of those things uh, that it makes me wonder if the agent would want to place Christian Kirk here with Baker Mayfield. Now I'll tell you uh, any agent placing a free agent here or having his guy sign here might not necessarily be thinking in terms of like what's going to happen with Baker Mayfield for four years because Baker Mayfield might only be here for one more year, but he might also be here for five more years. So I think it is a consideration. It needs to at least be part of the discussion. Does, yeah, it, does it help though, that they, they seem to do right by OBJ in the way they released him. Yes. You know, they didn't keep him dangling in the wind. They didn't basically sit him down for the rest of the year. They really, they basically let him go where he wanted to go. So hopefully yes. uh, if you're the Browns, you're thinking, well, 
we did a good thing here. And, you know, perhaps the agent came away from this with, you know, thinking it was a, a better experience than it, than it could have been. Yeah. I mean, the Browns do business in that way. I mean, they, and they do it for a reason. They don't burn bridges and they have great relationships with agents. And you're right. They did a really, really good job. They did right by Odell Beckham Jr. And they left and everybody uh, parted ways with, you know, their pride and all that stuff intact. So that does factor in. But if he's just thinking in terms of the player himself and whether or not this would be a good landing spot for his guy, uh, you know, I think he will give some serious consideration to that. Christian Kirk, four years in the league, uh, missed four games his rookie year, three games his second year, two games his third year, played every game last year. Targets, year 168, year 2108, year 379, year 4103. So, 100 targets last year, Scott. That's pretty good. 77 catches, 982 yards last year, five touchdowns, 12.8 yards per reception. That The yards per reception has been pretty steady in his career. Coming off his best year. Ascending, ascending player, probably. On the PFF list, and listen, everybody has their own lists of the best free agents. You just grab a list and you, you use it. We make our own list, too. He's ninth among the free agent receivers on the PFF list, but Devontae Adams was first. He's locked up. Chris Godwin was second. He's tagged. Mike Williams was third. He's locked up. Allen Robinson's fourth. He's coming off a bad year. Five is Odell. Six is Michael Gallup from Dallas. Seven is Antonio Brown. The Browns aren't going to get involved with that. And eight is Juju Smith-Schuster. And I'm not sure the Browns is the Browns is going to get Juju Smith-Schuster to Cleveland. So (laughs) Christian Kirk is arguably, right? I mean, arguably, he might be the best guy out there for the Browns at this point. Like this would be to say it's a 14 million year average on the contract, Scott, as you noted, this is, would be a pretty big time guy who would be signing his, you know, his second contract in the league. Ashley, how intrigued are you by Christian Kirk? 5'11", about 200 pounds. Yeah. So like everything that Scott said about the on the field stuff is definitely intriguing. And I think like he would give them another downfield option. And we all know that how they struggled with that. It's a matter of if they would actually use an option like that, if they had one consistently, I think. But, you know, being new to covering the NFL still, like all the stuff that Mary Kay is talking about with the potential like behind the scenes politics of, of these kinds of deals and where guys end up, that that is intriguing to me. Because I think even though the Odell Beckham Jr. situation could have gone a lot worse and they worked with him and he landed somewhere he was happy with, like there was still how that whole thing transpired and the unhappiness with how the offense was run. And if you're a guy, if you're Christian Kirk and you want to go somewhere and be, be the top option and get a lot of targets, like Jarvis Landry had the most targets this year for the Browns and he had 79. So that would be on the lower end for him in a single season in his career. So I think that is also just this really interesting element of it. Um, But again, if you can sell it on him and if they change some things to target him a little more, I agree with you, Doug, I think maybe of the options that are out there in terms of guys who aren't locked up or, you know, some of these guys who just aren't going to come here like Odell, (laughs) again, he would not return here. Um, I think he might be the best one of the bunch in, in this list. The other thing to consider about the whole agent piece is that uh, players that are in the same agent family talk to each other a lot. So he is going to pick up the phone and he's going to talk to Odell. 
And he's also going to pick up the phone and he's going to talk to Donovan Peoples Jones. They are, you know, they are close, those agent families. So, um, so he will do his due diligence. And by the, you know, by the time it's time for him, him to sign with the team, he will have a really, really good indication of whether or not he would like to come into this situation. Good start. Two good names. Ashley, hope your name's as good. <laughs> well, for as much as we've talked about receiver, I did want to go defensive end because just to mix up the conversation a little bit, number one. Um, but the guy who I keyed in on, we have talked about before as making a potential return to Cleveland at this position. And I went with Emmanuel Agba. And the biggest question for me, I think, is if the Browns will be willing potentially to turn out a multi-year deal for him. PFF estimates his value three years, 15.5 million. Um, So it's a little bit, it's not exactly the clowny model, right? But I think overall, he's just so interesting because he's turned himself into, you know, a pretty solid player since he got traded away from Cleveland Um, And, you know, he dealt with injuries earlier in his career, but Andrew Berry was in Cleveland when the Browns did pick him in 2016. He was a second round pick. Um, He's obviously gotten good at creating pressure, batting down passes. Um, He obviously has some familiarity with Miles Garrett. Um, And PFF currently has him as the, I believe, fifth best defensive end and 23rd best available free agent. NFL.com has him as the third best defensive end and 15th best available free agent. And coming off this past season, 17 games, nine sacks, 26 solo tackles. So overall, I just think he could make a really solid, nice return and help beef beef up some of that defensive line, you know, questions, personnel questions that we have without knowing what Jadavian Clowney is going to do. I think the player fit is really good. 15 million a year. It's blows, a lot. That blows my mind a little yeah. bit. And- it's a lot. It's a lot. And the, the argument, I guess, has been, and I saw this, I believe, on NFL.com in their rankings, that he is just a guy who doesn't necessarily have that star power. And if maybe he was in a different market or whatever else like that, we might be ranking him higher and things like that, given his production. So it is interesting. But like I said, I don't this does not exactly fit the clowny model. He would have to splurge a little bit. Do we like this? Do we, like it's it's revenge of Sashi Brown, right? It's like, hey, I drafted that guy. It turned out to be good. Uh, who did they trade him for? Did they trade him for that safety, right? Did they trade him for Eric Murray? Yeah. Is that the yeah. Trade? Yeah. So. But he wasn't super productive here first time around. We get it. Uh, and there wouldn't be any baggage. It's, it's fine. He, they, could, they could go get him. Does this seem heavy, though, Mary Kay? $15 million a year for a guy like this. Is this too much of an expenditure at edge rusher? No. I mean, if you want a really good starting edge, that is the amount you're going to probably have to pay. They got Jadavian Clowney at a bargain basement price last year. I mean, they were really lucky uh, to get him at that price coming off of a torn meniscus. And he had only had three sacks in his previous 19 games. And he had no choice but to take a a $10 million contract. So if you want to pay for a proven guy now, like like an Agba or some of the others out there, that's the going rate. Or to re-sign Jadavian Clowney, you're going to have to spend that. But it just depends on if you want to spend it over a multi-year deal or if you just want to try to grab somebody for one year until you solve the problem. And then you see what you're going to do in the draft. And if you 
draft your edge of the future for that side, uh, you know, then, you know, then you don't want somebody under a long-term deal. So I think that's a consideration, um, but it, it's definitely an option. I, I do think it's a player fit. I do think that uh, once again, Andrew Barry, uh, you know, really likes the players that they worked so hard on back then and scouted. And I'm sure he still likes them a lot, likes them a lot better now. Um, so I, I, I don't mind this. I, I can actually kind of see it. I still think I prefer sort of the clowny bargain bin of waiting and maybe an older guy, maybe a Jerry Hughes, maybe a Justin Houston, somebody like this. Like if they did this move, Scott, I wouldn't, I wouldn't criticize it, but I, but I am just as actually, as you said, I'm, I'm a little caught up on the price tag. Scott, is that, don't worry about the price tag. Go get it. Go get the other starter opposite Miles Garrett. They have the money. They're fine. Or does this, could this be too steep? Well, let me say this. Okay. So Emmanuel Ogba had nine sacks the last two seasons, obviously a huge jump over what he'd done before. He's playing on a defense that was second in the league in blitz rate uh, last season. I'm curious how many of his sacks came during a four man rush. Again, we know the Browns don't blitz a lot compared to the rest of the league. Um, If you look at, Agba's like win rate, how, how often he beats his block last season. He ranked, where are you, Emmanuel? 58th in win rate on his blocks. Miles Garrett was third. Hendrickson, fourth. TJ Watt, fifth. Um, Nick Bosa, seventh. Von Miller, eighth. So a lot of really good players at the top there. Um, I'm sure they would look at that and look at that $15 million price tag and try to figure out if that's really worth it. Um, is it somebody who benefited from the type of defense he was in in Miami, or is it somebody who's really come into his own as a pass rusher? I haven't watched enough of many but to know if he's like, you know, added new moves and just matured or what, but the production certainly went up. I'm just curious how much of it was because of, you know, the lines he's facing dealing with a bunch of rushers. They couldn't block all at once. And I'll be curious. I mean, listen, PFF does a great job. All these sites that, do all this stuff and make the lists. Sometimes though, there's like, Oh, this is the range they expect for a guy. that's like, man, Wagman gets like 8.5 million. No one's paying him 15 million a year. I, I don't actually, it's all these things, right? We throw out names and it's like, well, what's the price? Just like with anything. Right. What's the price? Right. 15 for Agba. I'm not going there. 11, nine and a half, whatever, you know, but I, I don't, I'll be curious if, if somebody ponies up, you know, all the way for this guy, or, you know, if you dive into the numbers a little bit and it's like, okay, I don't know. Um, I think for the right price, he could make sense. And I think too, when you talk about him, maybe, you know, I I'm with you. Like I think 15.5 a year, that that's a lot for this guy, I think. And I, I think just, if you look at what they were able to do with Clowney and make it really incentive heavy. If they could talk him into that and he, you know, say he really wants to come back and play with Miles Garrett, maybe he'd be willing to do that. But again, I think that the number of years that you would potentially wrap up in him, um, you have to be willing to do that if you're the Browns. And it, like we said, this would not be the exact clowny model, but you know, if you're not going to be able to bring him back and you do think you really like how Agba has improved while he's been out of Cleveland the last few years, I think it's something to consider given his production. And I think he could fit in here really nicely. And he has been decent against the run, which is another thing to consider. Mm-hmm. 
good name. It's it's really interesting. And I do think this would be a guy, he's not going to be in, in the bargain bin. I don't think this guy probably will be a guy who will want to get a contract and pop in the first couple of days of free agency. So we'll know whether Agba is an option for the Browns or not. Three good names so far. Get ready to be bored. <laughs> I'll give my name last. I don't know. Maybe I'll change it during the break. We'll do it next on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Doug, Mary Kay, Ashley, and Scott. All right, I'm back with my name. The problem is that I think they might have this guy on the roster already. Because the guy that I'm going to say has three names and the guy on the roster for the Browns, who I think might be this guy with a little more development, also has three names. And so why would you go get this three-name guy when you already have this three-name guy who profiles in a similar way? Does anybody want to guess what I'm doing based on the three-name clue? I mean, I'm really into – I was doing this on my national college football show the other day, the College Football Survivor Show, which I know everybody listening to this show – listens to every week. Thanks for listening. I'm tempted to turn every podcast into a trivia show because <laughs> trivia is fun, isn't it? Because then the people you're driving along and, hey, I'm going to guess that question too. Everybody out there listening, you can guess along with Ashton Scott and Mary Kay. What three-name player am I going to say the Browns should go after who I think is similar to a current Browns three-name player? Are you, are you thinking fullback? Are we counting Johnny Stanton the fourth as three names? <laughs> no. Well, the current one is Jeremiah Owusu Koromo. Yes. It, it is not Jeremiah oh, Donovan Peoples Jones. It's Donovan Peoples Jones. Okay. I thought this is where we were heading, but. So can we guess who I have? Three, two, one. Marquez Valdez Scantling from the Green Bay Packers who is a fourth year player been in the league four years is, is like more like an ascending guy. He's six, four, two Oh five people's Jones is more like six, two, but it's like a deep threat. And I do think like, ideally, like what's Donovan people's Jones going to be ideally is he gonna be a pro bowler. Uh, probably not, but like, this is a good, reliable guy. It's been like kind of like third receiver for the Packers. The thing I kind of like about this, it's not super exciting. a, He's a little cheaper. PFF has him more like in the $10 million a year range. B, I think you're not paying much for past production. You're paying for future production because I think he's probably looking to expand his role. I think he would expand his role in Cleveland compared to what he's been sort of behind Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard in Green Bay. So I think maybe not that you get a bargain, but you're not even like a guy like Agba. It's like Agba just put up some good stats. What do those stats really mean? I think this guy's, Better statistical days are ahead of him. And then the other thing is, this would be like your deep threat. Now, the issue is, is that what Anthony Schwartz is supposed to be? Is that what Donovan Peoples-Jones does well? Are you getting duplicative there? But if I'm trying to pair stuff, I feel like Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Drake London are all different enough from this guy. Garrett Wilson, I think, is a true X. He can do everything. Traylon Burks might be more of a slot guy. Drake London's kind of like a big receiver. I don't know that he's like a down the field kind of guy as much. So I think as you start pairing, I think a lot of guys would pair well with Valdez Scantling. And I think if you can get him for like nine or 10 million a year, as opposed to 20 million for Amari Cooper, he's not Amari Cooper. He's not close. He's not the production. It's not close, but could he be a thousand yard receiver? If you throw it to him a little bit more, I think maybe he could. 
So I'm bored. I bored myself, but I didn't want Allen Robinson, who's like coming off a weird year, and I'm not sure what you're paying for there. We ran through the list of other guys. I'm not trying to be like weird and off the board. I just I wanted to pick a receiver, Scott, and I I just settled on this guy. And I but I don't want it to feel like the Browns would be settling. Like, well, I guess Mike Williams resigned with the Chargers. I guess we'll take him. I do think he has some upside that I would be intrigued by. What do you think? I think all the things you said about him, the Browns are, and, and others have said about Donovan Peoples-Jones. And I do think that you're kind of overlapping maybe a little too much because you do have DPJ and you do have Anthony Schwartz and um, Scanling's clearly a deep guy. I mean, his average depth of target is, is like it's over. It's like almost 17 yards for his career. It was over 18 yards the last two seasons. Um, now, he did Aaron Rodgers throwing to him, which mm-hmm. – Again, I'm sure certainly helps things when the ball is dropping in right where you need it to be. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know. The Browns do love speed, but you might already have those two guys. And I think if you're going to go out and get a free agent wide receiver, I think you're going to want to get somebody who is different, uh-huh. whether it's, you know, Amari Cooper is just better and bigger, faster, all that. Or like, you know, Christian Kirk is going to replace something in the slot. Landry that you don't otherwise have on your roster to me, to me, it would be too similar to the guys you got. Yeah, I agree. I think he, he reminds me so much of Donovan Doug, even when you're talking that I think it might be too much overlap kind of like Scott is saying. And also like when we talk about his upside, he's 27 going on 28. Um, Obviously he was behind a handful of other guys when he's in green Bay, but I would almost them rather take the upside gamble on a, a second receiver in the draft as opposed to maybe doing it here. Like I would rather them make a bigger splash in free agency if they're going to do that. You know, I don't see him as a major overlap with, um, with Donovan necessarily because I, I do think he is more of a quintessential deep threat uh, Valdez Scantling. And I, I don't see Donovan was sort of pressed into that role last year, but he wasn't supposed to be that. I mean, Valdez Scantling has, has run a 4.37 in the 40 at the combine. That's not Donovan's game. Uh, Donovan was forced into that role when Odell left and when uh, Anthony Schwartz still had a concussion and wasn't able to go deep and do all those things uh, to stretch the defense the way that they needed him to. So because Donovan was, you know, sort of playing out of position, and I think it showed up a little bit towards the end of the season where, uh, you know, his production uh, and his performance wasn't necessarily what you thought it was going to be because he was a little out of position. Um, So I don't see the overlap. And then with Anthony Schwartz, I think he's still, I'm almost looking at this like his rookie year. So I think it, it is okay to have a veteran who is going to be a speedy deep threat for you. So I think this one is very, very intriguing. Uh, you know, I think the price is right. I think the speed is right. I think the production has been good, but as Scott pointed out, and it's very important, you know, production is good when you have Aaron Rodgers throwing you the football. And that's, you know, that's something to consider. You have to, you know, you have to think about that sometimes. And that's why, you know, when I looked at Amari Cooper, I thought, okay, what if you weren't with Dak? Well, we know because uh, he wasn't with Dak that one year and still had really, really good production. So, you know, we don't know that about him, uh, but I still think it's a very intriguing choice and I like it. 
So, so are we talking about the receiving core being Scantling, DPJ, Anthony Schwartz, and a rookie? Probably. Are those, are those your top four for 2022? Would you try to resign Jarvis in that scenario? See, here's the thing. I will say, if you're only spending 10 on Scantling, then Valdez Scantling, then I think you have you can keep Jarvis, and then you bump everybody down a spot, and then I think the pieces, if you draft like a true number one, Scantlings are two, Valdez Scantlings are two, Landry's are three, and then DPJ and Schwartz are behind, then I think it fits a little better. But Scott, I think your point is, if it's just a rookie, Valdez Scantling, DPJ and Schwartz, that does feel like it doesn't quite fit. Yeah, if you keep Landry, I think you probably have a better uh, better combination there. Um, mm-hmm. I could see that more, especially at that price. Um, and then you add in, like I said, the rookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that I mean that could make sense. But as far as but if you're getting rid of Landry and this is the guy that you're pairing with your rookie and you you know you get what you get out of DPJ and Schwartz, I don't I don't know because again, Scantling's a, a deep guy. He doesn't have a great catch rate. He's like in the fifties. Um, not that that is end all be all because Odell Beckham Jr. never hardly ever reached sixty percent uh, catch rate either. But um, yeah, I, I would feel better about doing this if they did keep Landry. Will Fuller, when you said Scott, when you started talking about Will Fuller and then said, but it's not Fuller, I thought maybe you were going to say Valdez Scantling because mm-hmm. again, as a deep threat guy, I, I agree with staying away from Will Fuller. Games played for Will Fuller in his six year career. 14, 10, 7, 11, 11, 2. I just like you, you're getting, you're going to get him for a bargain basement prove it deal. But yeah. I, like, I don't think the Browns are, I, I don't want the Browns like rolling the dice on a, oh, well, he played three games, guy. Like, I think they need a little more certainty than that. Going through the th- PFF list, I did find a guy, he's a little low on their list. He's 23rd among the best free agent receivers. But Scott, I think it's something they could think about. Let me double check his name. Let me see if this, I think I have this right. Rashard Higgins is his name. 23rd best. <laughs> is that how you pronounce it? I think that's right. What do you, you open on that or no? Uh, he'll be back. Give it a month. He'll be back like clockwork. This is an even year. I'm telling you, even if he isn't here, man, he's, he's going to be like among your leaders in DVOA and all those nerd analytics stats. I love to quote. I will well, say you Mar- guys, go ahead. Mark. Did you see that today he was uh, seeking someone to help edit video for him. Oh, like a highlight reel. That's what I'm thinking. I can do that. I do that for my daughter. <laughs> Trying to okay. play soccer in college. I put, I put a little circle around her. I can do that for a shard, you know, nice. but I'm, there you let go. the guy, whoever's watching know exactly who he is. On the field into those so DMs. Yeah. <laughs> do you think you could, in the highlight reel, could you have him catching the ball and diving for the pylon against the chiefs and then just cut right to him doing it like a celebration dance and leave out the part where. That's right. Some creative editing there. That's all you need. So I will yeah, say Mary, no one, no one remembers that play. You can no, totally get away no. with that. Yeah. I will say Mary Kate, there was a time when it felt like, Ooh, receiver options, but you take Devontae Adams, you take Chris Godwin, you take Mike Williams off the board. The Calvin Ridley situation, he's off the board. Now it does kind of feel like all of a sudden, like, oh, wait, there are a gazillion options and there is going to be some competition. In the end, Mary Kay, do you think next week in free agency, the Browns will sign a receiver? Like a somewhat significant receiver. Maybe it's not Kirk. Maybe it's not Cooper, but somebody. Mm, 
it sort of depends in my mind on if they restructure Jarvis, because I do think if they restructure Jarvis, then he can kind of count as their veteran guy, knowing that they're going to try to go out and draft Garrett Wilson in the first round. So if you end up with, with Garrett and Jarvis and Calvin Austin, the third and Donovan people's Jones and Anthony Schwartz, you might be okay. Um, so I do think that they will sign a significant free agent receiver or restructure Jarvis and bring him back. And that's a fair way to think of it. Just think of Jarvis as a free agent. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, there's this, he's not yet 30. It's been really productive for two different teams. He's a great leader coming off an injury plagued year, but we still think he's productive. If we were describing that guy, but he wasn't a Brown, I think we'd be interested in him. And then the bonus is, you know, this guy. And he's like a good teammate and he works his butt off and he has some chemistry for the quarterback. So I'm as guilty of this as anybody. Sometimes you're like, ah, the, yeah, keep the, keep the guy already know. Well, that's not exciting. So I think it's a point well-made and importantly made Mary Kay. They have, they need a veteran, but it mm-hmm. might be Jarvis. Let's mm-hmm. keep that in our heads. Ashley, Final closing thoughts from you at all. Do you think do you think we hit on one of these four? Is one of us going to be right and doing a victory lap next week? I mean, I obviously hope I'm right, but just because I enjoy being right. So <laughs> I hope it's me. No, I I did want to ask Mary Kay, like, do you think there's a a world where they do neither of those things? Like where they can't restructure Jarvis and they don't bring somebody in? Or do you really think like one of these things is definitely going to happen? Well, if something like that doesn't happen next week, then they have to have something else up their sleeve. They have to be working on a trade or they're going to have to draft two receivers. They need two new good starting receivers at least. So if they if something doesn't materialize next week, uh, then they're going to have to to find two guys somewhere else and two really good ones. Um, That's just the that's just the way it has to be. I will say you did convince me on Calvin Austin third. I did include him in my latest mock draft because he is intriguing it with that comp pick if he's still there. Um, but no, I mean, that's in general, like my closing thoughts are, are basically that. Like, I do think they need two guys and they, however they get them great, but I think they need to really kind of work to restructure that. And I'd be all for bringing Jarvis back if monetarily it works for you. And I do think we've been doing these mock drafts week by week because we want to, see our evolving thoughts on what they need in the draft. If they don't, if Jarvis somehow leaves and they don't sign somebody, my gosh, our mock drafts, they're going to be nothing but receivers, right? I mean, like we're already all leaning into those receivers. And I know you guys have had two receivers in your draft already, but man, I think the, it gets even more or, you know, if they, what if they keep Jarvis and they sign somebody? Then all of a sudden, maybe maybe we're not putting two receivers in that draft. So it's going to be interesting. We know what the position is that's at the top of the list. How are they going to address it? It'll start next Monday. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash Browns all day. Bookmark it. You have it bookmarked, right? Bookmark it. So then you just click on the thing and you go right to it. Or even better, be a Browns insider. The texts come to your phone. You don't have to go anywhere. We come to you. It's like Mary Kay Cabot coming to your house and knocking on your door. They're like, hey, they just signed Christian Kirk. <laughs> she would do that if we let her. She would come to all your houses. <laughs> but the gas, gas is up. So it's not cost efficient. So this is the next best thing. Text in your phone. 
sign up via Browns Insider. We appreciate you guys making the Orange and Brown Talk podcast part of your week. Next week, podcasts dropping later in the day because we're going to react to what's happening and get them to you in the evening. So this is going to be your preview to get you ready for next week. Then hang with us on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast all next week, every evening. What happened? What does it mean? We'll be here to guide you guys through that. For now, for Ashley Bastock, Mary Kay Cabot, and Scott Pasco, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. 